Hey guys, it's Alana and Jacqueline. Welcome back to another episode of Black and Yellow. Yay! The Winter Olympics have come and gone real quick, but they were so riveting. They were awesome. They were great. It was a really exciting year in Pyeongchang, South Korea for Americans and obviously Olympians all around the world. Right. But we're Americans, so we're proud. We're very, very proud of every single one of them. And it was really exciting to watch all the athletes compete and put their heart out Mm -hmm. and just all the years of practice and training and waking up at two three four in the morning and being cold and tired that sounds miserable it sounds i can't even miserable but it's for those glorious moments right on the rink on the slopes it's just i i secretly have this you want to be an desire. Olympic commentator? <laughs> is, that what, is that what you're kind of telling me? I, I just, I, I know deep down inside of me, I've always had this secret desire to be some sort of athlete. Uh huh. That I, I could have maybe taken a route like this if I didn't choose the artistic route. Interesting. I've always felt that sort of in my bones, in a way of of something I'd be good at or that I'd really enjoy and it'd be fulfilling. Yeah. Uh, I don't. I, I definitely see how short the career is, and and in, in the long run, it's not the best choice for my body. Mm -hmm. Therefore, obviously, I didn't pursue it. However, that being said, (laughs) you know, you train your whole lives and then you you put it all out there for, I don't know, if you're... Two minutes, three minutes, four minutes, like... It's nuts. It's nuts. Yeah. All of that to, to make to make sure you win. And, and you're going up against countries and other countries that I've also trained. And it must be so exhilarating. Yeah. It must be just uh, uh, such a plethora of emotions, I think, you know? NBC, if you're listening, uh, this is Jacqueline Chung-Young. I think she wants to be a commentator. So if you're going to kick Tara Lipinski out of figure skating... <laughs> uh, if you need another one, if she's gone, oh, call Jackie. I mean, we have to represent the Asian Americans, right? Might yeah. As well, right. Speaking of, uh huh, there were all white commentators yeah. for many of the sports. I this know. Year. I wonder why. What's I mean, with that? At least for the ice skating, uh, figure skating commentators, I wonder why there wasn't a Michelle Kwan or a, a Christy Yamaguchi. Or I know I they're agree. older, maybe, and they didn't necessarily didn't. Well, Scott Hamilton was also a commentator. He's a old. Couple of games ago, but I mean, he. But I'm saying that to say, like, yes, he's old, but they still allowed him to come. Yeah, in. Yeah, he's been uh, around forever. Throw in his two cents about yeah, the sport. Maybe it's because Tara Lipinski and Johnny Weir are probably, arguably, the two most identifiably American figure skaters. Yes, who have taken the gold, the gold, and have really. Uh, not only taken the gold, but gotten wealth and celebrity status yeah. from their Olympic uh, right. performances. Yeah. Which doesn't always happen. Of course, definitely. But There's I th- no guarantee. Yeah. yeah. But I do feel like when I think of That's famous true. figure skaters, famous American figure skaters, yeah. I mean, those two, and Michelle Kwan and Christy Yamaguchi are right. like the four that Go spring to. to mind. Absolutely. I agree. She was young when she won the medal. She was super young. 14? Yeah. Yeah, or 16, something like just... Insane. Insane. She was so young. I wonder what... I always wonder, once you've... uh, You've, like... Once you've made it. Once you've made it, exactly. Mm -hmm. And once you've made it and you've, uh, you know... He got the gold and you've done it. What do you, I mean, it's so I've, I would love to interview or, or pick their brain. What do you do? Like, what, what do are the next afterwards? steps? Right. I mean, I would imagine because your life is just starting out. Yes. But I would also imagine if you have won Olympic gold or even if you haven't won Olympic gold and you've just you've performed and placed well in the Olympics, I would assume that there's a whole a host of opportunities in terms of going to schools and higher higher education learning centers and giving talks about your experience. And I'm sure those are really well paid. I'm sure that these people make appearances. These people get sponsorships. These people get campaigns for makeup, food, for clothing. Think about the amount of money they've already invested. Right. 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 A return on investment. Yes. But I wonder if that return is as much as the initial investment. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's hundreds of thousands of dollars right. to, to hire a coach. And to not only do you have a coach, you have a trainer, mm-hmm. you have a choreo- choreographer, you have doctors, you have specialists. That, and that's just for figure skating. Yeah. Like, we're not talking about skiing or no, snowboarding. No, and, ma- to, and equipment and equipment, material. If, you, if you're skiing or uh, 
Snowboarding? Doing the biathlon oh, right. or snowboarding, I would assume that you need money for like lift tickets right. and time on the slopes and right. PT That's crazy. coaches as well. Like there's a lot of money output before right. I would have any sort of cent is mm-hmm. ever seen back oh, from it. Sure. Definitely. Absolutely. But real talk, if I saw an Olympic athlete at a bar yeah. or if someone if I met someone in a bar and they were like, hey, I went to the Olympics, I would buy that person drinks. Uh, I would totally buy that person drinks over like a pro ball player, like an NFL player, an NBA player or an NHL player. Yeah, because those are wealthy athletes that right. are paid very well, very well for the sport that they do. Mm-hmm. But Olympics, Olympians, I should say, those athletes are fucking dedicated they are like they are straight up dedicated and generally are not compensated equally no i don't think so no i i think that it's it's so it's such a passion for them that they they would never ever could ever see them doing like it's a must for them you know that feeling of yeah you have no other choice Mm -hmm. but to follow this route yeah because you're just destined and meant to be an olympian whether you uh, win the gold, take the gold, silver, bronze. That's just a route that you you find a calling, and you can't ignore that calling. Yeah, Lauren Gibbs, uh, she African American woman on the Team USA bobsled team. She uh, they play silver, her uh-huh. and Alana Myers Taylor. But she is an MBA. She has an MBA. She's Ivy League educated, and she left her high paying corporate position to chase her wow. bo- her bobsledding dreams. That's amazing. So I mean. Yeah, it's I, so I selfless in a way too because Definitely. you you drop everything and you go and you pursue this with no guarantee, right? Right, mm-hmm. in any way, shape, or form, money or maybe I mean, yeah, you, you get the status of an Olympian athlete, but but other than that, without a medal or without anything, you know, it's it's so selfless and it really shows the dedication and perseverance and and how much they really want it. They're willing to sacrifice so much for this. Yeah, and and you're and. When you're, it, it's it the career is on your body. So think about, it's almost like your golden years. You know, you're, yeah. you're not you're sacrificing your golden years to do and to pursue this because you you really can't see yourself doing anything else. It's true. And I and I like I bow down. Yeah, <laughs> I truly, if I could, I I would do it right now, but I can't. Uh. Well, word to all listeners: if you ever encounter an Olympic athlete in a bar in a restaurant. Buy him a drink. Yeah. Tell him thank you for, for their kick-ass performances, right, whether they won the there. gold or not. Mm-hmm. Like that, being an Olympic athlete and performing at an Olympic level right. is a feat unto itself and yep. is totally deserving of a round of applause. I agree. Should be celebrated for the rest of your life. Forever. Forever, Forever. and ever and yeah. ever. I agree. Uh, speaking of celebrations, it was a lot of like, f- I- I'm here to give a lot of firsts and <laughs> I love the whole idea of when it's such a a worldly event and it brings all these cultures together and people together and you kind of, what I like about it most is you kind of bypass the, you know, the racial or the you're this and you're that because you're representing your country mm-hmm. and there's a lot of pride and courage that goes through all of this. Mm-hmm. So it was South Korea's first time hosting the Winter Olympics. Oh, uh, Jackie, I love when you're the first lady. Oh, tell me more first. Okay, I'll tell you more first. Uh, however, they did bid to uh, host the Olympics three times before oh. they even uh, got it. So they Sochi won before them and I think it was, I don't know what was before Sochi. Was it Nagano? Won? Oh, yeah, was yeah. it? Mm-hmm. So they, they the, finally, after bidding the third time, they finally got it. Perfect. Um, it cost ten billion dollars to put this uh, Olympic uh, stadium, venues, um, transportation, housing, oh, all yeah. of that. However, the Sochi Olympics was the most expensive. It cost. It was five times less. So Sochi was fifty billion dollars. Yeah, but we all saw the pictures and the coverage of Sochi. Yeah. Sochi was not ready for the Olympics. No. Sochi was fucked up. And there was a lot of controversy and. Uh, uh, around them and yeah. still now I mean their whole doping thing you know yeah. how they couldn't be under yes, their they flag couldn't submit, uh, athletes. They couldn't submit athletes they had to be the Olympic athletes of Russia right. OAR right under the generic to... Olympian flag yeah. exactly yeah um, another round of firsts um, it's the smallest city to ever host the games which I thought oh. was kind of cool um, for the first time ever and this is in in because of technology 
uh, we as viewers were able to see it actually live for the first time, which I didn't even question mm-hmm. because so many things are like, oh, right. she's going live now. And this video was live. But for the first time, we were able to see live coverage, which never happened before. Right. Everything was, you know, replayed or, you know, they would play it at our times I after. I was like watching Olympus at 11 o'clock at night and I felt like a very irresponsible adult. I know. <laughs> that was kind of cool, too, though. It was like, it's it happening was. right now. Right. You know, it's like instant gratification of like, they know when they know mm-hmm. you don't find it from someone else you get to experience it alongside totally. with the athlete which i thought was really cool um this is really cool as well the nigerian first african women bobsled team they were the first nigerian team to ever represent at the olympics and that is a feat in itself i thought that was so amazing I where you train if you are a nigerian bobsled. i know like, where? where is the closest training facility i don't maybe I don't know South Africa. Hmm. We'll have an answer for you on our next episode because right. this is so. Make sure you listen. Into. Make sure you listen. <laughs> we'll give you that answer, and it's important. <laughs> um, this was uh, also I thought really uh, controversial in the whole North Korea South Korea thing, which you know made headlines for sure mm-hmm. about um, how they would do this and what it would cause, and North Korea and South Korea playing together and the pres- all this stuff. So Kim. Jong Un's sister was the first member of North Korea uh, to visit the South Korea and attend the opening ceremony since the end of the Korean War. Wow! Just got chills. I know. Isn't that really just? Uh, I I I like to think that it's it's so awesome to see how a world event like the Olympics can bring. A little bit of the two North and South slightly together in a very tension filled, scary type of way, you know, because of their, uh, you know, their the whole way that North Korea is, you know, uh, and their whole. And anyways, it was just when I read that, I was like, wow, I mean, it, it gives me a little hope as far as maybe they are sort of humanly gap of some sort. yeah and um and that actually the north korean olympic committee um wanted to host some of the skiing events in north korea they proposed it to south korea i don't know if team usa would have been down with that yeah I, I, being real. I know i when i read that fact i thought wow like if if anything that's that i mean that in itself was also really awesome to hear but they it got declined this yeah. um south korea didn't allow it at all yeah uh, i don't know if i were a, a coach on team usa and it's like hey you can come to your skiing events over in north korea i'd be like mm, we're busy sorry yeah. and like, i know i know there was there was a lot of concern because you know their recent testing and atomic weapons i think right. a lot of people were concerned about because it's pyeongchang uh took place or the whole at least where um where most of it was was 40 miles uh, south of North Korea, um, where it was in a like a demilitarized uh, zone. Okay, so a lot of people just had concerns of you know being close to North Korea and yeah. how that would affect it, and how North and South Korea would be represented, and right. all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. And Let's it's real, just North Korean fans came out. I know, like in droves right? for a lot of events. Yeah. So I mean, their participation in terms of fan participation was s- amazingly high. It was for what for you know for North Korea's and Kim Jong Un's I think standards and his yeah his his uh, I guess not allowing of his people to travel sure. outside of North Korea. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Anyway, I mean, sports are a unifier in that regard. Yeah. Like the something like the Olympics definitely does bring people together if for a short amount of time mm-hmm. because you're rooting for your country. So yeah. there's a spirit there. There is. We are all in this together. Yeah. And there this year their slogan was passion connected, which I thought was really cool. That is a cool. It one. was just you have such a passion for something that it just kind of brings everyone together right. and you don't see so much it's there's such a good camaraderie, mm-hmm. I think, besides the you can't ignore the fact that you're competing against your own teammate and you want to win. Everyone right. wants to win the gold, of course. Right. But underneath that, there is a sense of love and passion and it really connects everyone together. And that's ultimately 
uh, I think the, the the biggest positive of the events like this. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah. I wish that sense of unity would would stay. Trans, yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Like it wouldn't. It shouldn't take. I mean, it's a great example, but I agree. It shouldn't take some sort of worldly event to bring this. Agreed. It should be just. It should. Everyone should just be like that all the time. Exactly. Right. I have a question for you. What's your relationship to the Winter Olympics? Because for me, I didn't even know that the Winter Olympics were a thing until I got to college. I went to college in upstate New York where oh. winter sports are very much a way of life. But growing up in Los Angeles, California, I didn't know the Winter Olympics even existed. Right, right, even, right, right. I had no relationship to winter sports at all. Mm-hmm. And so going to school in upstate New York and seeing how seriously a lot of East Coasters take the sports skiing, hockey. snowboarding, hockey, yeah. you know, insert winter sport here. And then actually watching my first Winter Olympics, I think it was the first year that Sean White competed. I th- oh, wow. I think it was 2008. Okay. Don't quote me. I'm not sure if that was his first Olympic, but I think that was that was the first year I watched. Uh-huh. I was like, oh, okay, this is a thing. And people yeah. take it really seriously. Yeah, devote their whole lives. Yeah, because I had only really paid attention to the Summer Olympics. Mm. There's more African-American athletes. There's yes. way more female athletes. Yes. And there's more... Uh, sports that I'm interested in yeah. tit for tat versus the Winter Olympics. Right. Also, also too, because of your exposure, right? You right. probably grew up swimming and running mm-hmm. and so on and so forth, which exactly. makes... Watching basketball. Yeah, 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 yeah. field. Right. Yes. Yeah. Well, um, I actually started ice skating when I was really young. That's right. Yeah. I know that for you, a reason, but I'm going to let you talk okay, about that reason. So, so everyone knows. Uh, I did the whole very athletic thing kind of young. I was in ballet and gymnastics and ice skating for about at least four or five years. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually started skating with Mariah Nagasu. Who just skated recently. Yeah, she was, she was one of the USA ladies to represent our figure skating team, which is amazing to yeah. see her there. I was so proud of her despite everything that happened. Um, uh, so I, I started ice skating with her in Pasadena, California, and we're both from Arcadia, California as well. Uh, she has a little, her parents have this little Japanese restaurant uh, in, and I know they mentioned this a couple times in the Olympics every time Mariah skated, but it was a little Japanese restaurant and we would go there and eat and I would hang out with her in the pantry because we were young and tiny and we Aww. both fit in there while she did homework and uh, she was a year younger than me. Okay. So, uh, so we, we kind of started at the same time and I didn't take it to the Olympic level. Okay, she did. <laughs> she, she did. She got you covered, girl. Yeah. And so I've always sort of followed her career because I had a connection with her when we were younger and our parents had a connection and it was just amazing to see. And this is not her, her this is her second time at the Olympics. She was at the Olympics 2000 and... Eight, yeah, right? she yeah. wasn't there in 2014. Yeah. More on that. Yeah, later. I know. We'll talk about those controversies. Exactly. Uh, so that was my, I've always known, I've always had such a passion for ice skating. And I, sometimes I still take myself to the rink every now and then at the Pasadena Ice Skating Center. And I, I love every single minute of it. it feels awesome. It's so exhilarating. It feels like I'm flying. So you were aware of the Winter Olympics since you were a, a child. Oh, absolutely. Right? Because as soon as I started ice skating and I started competing, mm-hmm. Uh, that was t- there were talks of pursuing this as a career, pursuing this as maybe you know doing this seriously. My mom asked me. She said, "You know, do you do you want to continue ice skating? Do you want to be an ice skater? You know, because you know the path of it is to end up at the Olympics. You're not going to just keep doing this for fun, right. you know." <laughs> <laughs> Although it was fun, I loved every minute. I would wake up. My schedule was: I'd wake up at four thirty in the morning. Um, we'd warm up at the house already, and then my mom would pack breakfast, and we'd eat in the car on the way. My brother and I both actually did it together. Uh, you guys were like the Shibatani. I know, right? We could have been the. Sh- you the, guys could have been the Shibatani. Young brother and sister, uh, ice dancing pairs. Jackie, you fucked up. I know. Um, so the so then we would show up at the rink. Uh, I believe six thirty. And we'd warm up and do everything, and then we would skate until, I think, 8 or 7 or something like that. We'd skate for a couple hours at least, or an hour and a half, and then I'd go to school. 
And I'm tired just listening. I know. Like, I'm exhausted <laughs> Tell me about just it. listening to that <laughs> schedule. And we would, and then I'd go to school, and then after school, I'd go to auditions. So my mom take me up, and we'd drive all the way around in Los Angeles, <laughs> and would go. And then the days where I didn't have auditions, or the days where you know, um, I'd go to ballet. I'd do ballet twice a week, and then I'd go to gymnastics. And can you just imagine? And this is just like Jackie. I never had that amount of discipline as a child. Like my mother, uh, my mother would love if I had that kind of discipline. So I am sitting here just like awestruck. I know. And and it wasn't, it never felt forced really. Like it was all really fun, I felt. And I think the minute it started not becoming so fun and the... when the minute it started becoming a little serious and I think my mom did a perfect job to sort of not really become that mother who was like no this is your path and you have you know she was very well aware of like let's go with the flow you know and I stopped around I think 10 or 11 and then um and then I just kind of really stopped and then I went back into ballet a couple years later that's besides the point but anyways yes so that's my connection I have always I've always loved the Winter Olympics I I love snowboarding um I've always just I don't know it's funny because I'm I know I'm a secret snow bunny yeah and I'm I know how long have we known each other (laughs) quite a long time now and I've never I didn't even think I realized this until right now I didn't realize until you're talking about your snow bunny history. Wow. And I was like, who is this person sitting in front of me? <laughs> I'm, and here I am in like a turtleneck <laughs> and I'm in a scarf and it's, like it's in LA. Where we're like, it's like 66 degrees and I'm frozen. <laughs> hey, it's cold to us. It's cold to us. Oh, but all man. of that said, I mean, Mirai Nagasu, to make it to the Olympics, that yeah. is fucking awesome. It she is. was one of the reasons why this 2018 Winter Olympics were more diverse, not just right. gender-wise, but di- but uh, race-wise, mm-hmm. than any of the years before. So, so because cool. of that, Mariah, this episode is for you. We are dedicating this episode to you. You go, girl. Great job in South Korea. If I see you in a bar, your drinks are on me. <laughs> but this episode is for you. Oh, <laughs> really so all that is. being said, so Team USA this year sent 242 athletes to Pyeongchang, which was more more athletes than any other nation has ever sent in in Winter Olympic history. Wow. And so out of those 242 athletes, 108 of them were women. So 45% of Team USA was female. That's awesome. Which is awesome. above the average for all countries competing in Pyeongchang. Second above? Uh, slightly above. Slightly above, sorry, yes. No problem. And then of those athletes, 10 athletes were African-American, 11 athletes were Asian-American, and this is a big first, two of those athletes were openly gay athletes. Wow. Oh, right? I kind of always assume... He... Oh, man. I'm going to stick my foot in my mouth here. I kind of just assumed that like, if you were a male figure skater... That you are gay? That you maybe were gay. Sure. And I thought that it was an open thing, but I guess in researching this episode, that's oh, it's not, not open. the case. It's oh. not an open thing. I see. Well, I'm sure that's not something they want to touch like light on. You I'm know? sure they don't want to focus on it. But again, like if we're talking about inclusion... Yeah, is it is it Adam Rippon and someone else? It was Adam Rippon. I don't remember the last the other person's name, but mm. I do remember Adam because is I it... remember seeing a shot of him and he was holding up a sign that said um, something akin to "Thank you to my haters, <laughs> y'all motivated me to get to the Olympics." And I was like, "You better gone with your bad self, yeah, Adam. Like yeah, I hear you, I him. see you, and yeah. your skate was fucking dope." Yeah, um, him and Mariah are like best friends. Really? Yeah. Can we have dinner with Mariah? I know, right? Can you imagine how fun that would be? That would be so fun. Okay, we're putting it on the we're putting it on the checklist. <laughs> there we go. Adam and Mariah, we want to take you out to dinner. <laughs> um. So yes. Yeah, so even though we had a very diverse Team USA Winter Olympics, how, that that nece- that isn't necessarily the the greatest marker of diversity in terms of Team USA sending a more diverse crew to the Olympics. Mm-hmm. So the Summer Olympics that happened in Rio, the U.S. took 550 athletes to the 2016 Games, and of those athletes, 125 uh, of those athletes were African-American, so 23%. So not a huge... I mean, if you're comparing in, yeah, the two per- teams, mm-hmm. Winter Olympics to Summer Olympics, we send a lot more people of color to the Summer Olympics. Summer Olympics, yeah. We send more women to the Summer Olympics, and that could be because of the sports that we tend to dominate in in sure. terms of Summer Olympics, track and field. Um, uh, sorry, little brain fart here. 
<laughs> Sorry, track and field, gymnastics. Oh yes, definitely swimming, swimming all of that. Yeah, so perhaps one could argue that maybe the Summer Olympics are filled with sports that are more geared towards people of color and women versus mm-hmm. Winter Olympics, which tend to be very much white, right? For a myriad of reasons. Yeah, I, I think it a lot. If you, as I was watching the live coverage, I noticed a lot of it is also within the family. So let's say you have a dad who was a famous hockey player. His child's going to most likely want to put get put into hockey or at some point. It was a lot of family, families of families of families of families of athletes, athletes, generational athletes. And I think for whatever reason, reasons we could look into later or just, you know, question uh, why maybe there are more white families that do the winter sports versus african-americans that and and that do the summer sports um it could be geographically too yeah you know growing up around if there's more white people in some more of the colder regions that actually end up doing this so on and so forth like i thought that was really interesting of how many were generational athletes uh well i think that you have to consider a couple things when you're talking about winter sports first things first winter sports are expensive Way more expensive expensive. than yeah. It's not like basketball or football, where all you essentially need is, if we're talking about basketball, a basketball, a hoop, right, and some tennis shoes, and you're good to go. Or with the football, you need is a football in a wide open grassy field to play in. Winter sports are pricey. They are expensive. So is snowboarding. So is ice skating. Equipment. Bobsledding. Like all of these are pricey sports. Yeah. And there's not always places for people of color. Or people that live in maybe large cities to practice. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's not a. T- I mean, living in Los Angeles, California, there's not a ton of ice skating rinks out here. No, you know what I mean. And and it's true because also too, you hear a lot of where, despite where the the country that they're from, mm-hmm. they actually train in different areas. You know, they end up training yeah. out of the country or far away in a different city, and they they're lucky that they have the means to do that. Right. You know, because if you don't have the time or the money to go and move to a different country or a different sure. city to train in, there's no way you can follow that. Right. Uh, William Douglas, who is the author and founder of The Color of Hockey, which is a blog that focuses on the history and growing impact of people of color in ice hockey and other winter sports, actually had something to say about that. He said, winter sports for decades were limited to affluent and middle-class American families whose children trained and developed in top programs in well-stocked and well-manicured park districts. Over time, as African Americans experienced assimilation and social mobility, they moved into neighborhoods that provided more opportunities for Olympic hopefuls. Obviously, black athletes are not as prevalent in the Winter Olympics than they are in the Summer Olympics, but with African American participation in the Winter Olympics being at 1.9%, the number is rising. And I know what you're thinking 1.9%, that's not really that much. Mm But it is when you consider four years ago, that number was even lower when you're talking about African-American participation. Right. I think it's still in the, heading in the right direction. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I think there's also this this think this thought that prevails in the African-American community specifically that says, well, black people don't like the cold. And there is some truth. Uh... We do not favor the cold. But uh, he goes he. Gives, gives a great quote. He says, we talk about the myths of blacks in winter sports and believe this is a myth perpetuated by the majority community. Mm. But it's also a myth that we in the minority community buy into too. And mm. I do think that there is some truth to that. I do think that growing up, I hate cold weather. I've always hated cold yeah. weather. My parents hate cold weather. So that was a, a saying like, oh, why would we go to Aspen for the winter? That sounds terrible and awful and cold. Let's go to Jamaica for the summer where uh, it's a little bit warmer. There's more stuff to do. We'll be surrounded by people who look like us, so on and so forth. Um And he also gives another quote. He says, it's funny because we talk about the myths of blacks in winter sports and believe this is a myth perpetuated by majority community. But it's also the myth that we in the minority community buy into as well. They say we don't like the cold. Our ankles are too weak. Of course, none of that is truth. Rather, black Americans have shied away from winter sports largely because of costs of participation and proximity to training sites. 
Unlike football hmm. and basketball, sports that require little more than sneakers, balls, and a park, winter sports are learned and perfected on ski slopes or ice rinks that aren't accessible to black kids. He goes on to say, consider, for example, the challenge faced by anyone who aspires to earn a spot on the U.S. bobsled, luge or skeleton teams. They would have to find their way to one of two training facilities in the nation in Park City, Utah or Lake Placid, New York, neither of which are heavily trafficked by people of color. That's so he fascinating. He goes on to then talk about the cost of winter sports, which right. we've discussed. So, I mean, there's a reason why you don't see a ton of African-Americans yeah in winter sports right it's far to get there it's expensive to get there yeah and, and they just simply don't have the tools or yeah. the money to do that yeah exactly but i also feel like part of it is exposure i mean african-american kids today in terms of athletic sports we are taught basketball and football well oh, and you have you have that to look up towards too. right 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 we've you know if, if you are aspiring towards athletic greatness generally those are the two sports that young black kids, kids. look to play uh-huh and it's not just because we just want to play those two sports it's because those are the only two sports that we're exposed mm. to so inclusion and diversity is really important yeah. in something like the winter olympics because if we don't see ourselves represented we're more likely to think oh this isn't a place for us mm-hmm. which was why the diversity on this year's team usa was so important right it was so important for young black girls and boys to see people that look like them yeah it makes a difference in sports that they would have never thought to consider for themselves. Yeah. You never know who you're inspiring right. when you diversify a sport. Absolutely. That's so fascinating how it all just kind of comes together and you kind of can see how because of status or money or living situation and then you can also go ahead and study how they, they're not represented in that. Yeah. Uh, why there that num that number that one point nine percent is so low? It is so low, right? But it's better than it has. Oh been yes, years before which is great. It's, I think it's it's it can only get better, right? I mean, I think about if I was like a little black girl and I just wanted to ice skate, who would I look up to? Yeah, you know, I wouldn't have anyone. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I guess you would have Surya, the French African American French oh, ice skater. Yeah, Surya. that's oh, true. Gosh. I'm looking for her name right now. And she danced to Beyonce. She danced to Beyonce. Mm -hmm. She got heat for that. And to all those haters. Uh, Surya Bonale. Yeah. And French people, French people, there's like, they, they like, they love it. They're, they're, yeah. Yeah. Um, She's interesting. She's from Nice, France. She was black, but adopted by white parents. And she grew up in a world where she felt she had to try harder. And she told ESPN several years ago, quote, I don't know if race made it difficult, but it certainly made me stronger. Wow. Maybe I won't be accepted by a white person, but if I'm better, they have no choice. Ooh. Amen to that. You can't deny greatness. Uh-huh. You, cannot, you can hate on it, but you can't deny I it. I love that. I love that. Oh. So, I mean, yes, our, the diversity for African-American people is slowly growing slowly however overall the winter olympics has boosted women's participation since the 1990s mostly because it removed gender barriers to sports such as biathlon curling and ice hockey wow so now that women are allowed to play in those sports we see more women showing up yeah this was also uh Something to note that a majority of the American athletes from this year's Winter Olympics were first timers. Majority. Yeah. That's exciting. I know, right? It's super exciting. So you've got a more diverse team. Yeah. And within that diversity, they all share one thing, it seems. And it's like, you know, no one's been to the Olympics. Mm-hmm. Before, so that's all. That's a nice thing to connect with. To have. When, I've never been to the Olympics, but I would assume it's oh, sort of like yeah. college and in that you're getting there and you're meeting people from all yeah. over the world. Right. And and also you the proximity you have with athletes that you've looked up to your whole life. Mm-hmm. You're in a different country, you're experiencing different cultures, yeah. you're eating different foods. Yeah. You're totally. it's so overwhelmingly awesome. Mm-hmm. And then you're also there to like do business. Yeah. You know, you're there to just kill it totally. you know so it, it's it's it must be so and you're there for depending on what your what your event is and how far but you're there for i mean you know almost a month yeah for it's sure. i mean it's it's so 
maybe I do want to be a secret Olympian. Do you? That sounds like a lot of time, energy, and effort I know. for not. I know. <laughs> I mean, we spoke about that at the top of the show. All right, all right, all right. Go on, go on. <laughs> Uh, I'll reach out to my people at NBC. Let's see if we can get you on like the sports <laughs> commentary side of things. Okay. Um, but shout out to Aaron Jackson and, and Mame Bennett uh, competing as the first ever black female speed skaters. Ooh. Yeah. And I think that Mame Bennett, she's 17. Oh my God. And she was so excited to be at the Olympics. She was so positive and so happy oh, watching good. her interviews pre and post skate just totally brought a yeah. tear to my eye because oh. you can feel her excitement just to be at the olympics yeah. through the tv right like you could totally feel it that's amazing not only that four out of five athletes on the u.s women's bobsled team are women of color and mm. the women's bobsled team is led by another alana alana myers taylor and she competed with lauren gibbs and they won silver that, yeah, that's amazing. So, yeah, dope. It's a lot of work. It's a lot it's of work. It's so much dedication. I, I think we have a long way to go mm-hmm. in terms of upping the diversity factor. Yeah. Not just for people of color, but I for agree. people of different sexualities and yeah. for women. And, yeah, I, I agree. And it'll... It'll happen slowly, but it's it's something that we wanted to talk about with you guys because we still think it's very important. Um, I I didn't I was making it a huge deal about how for the figure skating team how almost half of the U.S. figure skating team were Asian Asian, Asian Americans. Asian, yes. You know, like mm-hmm. I I hope that more people were like, wow, the the figure skating team team are mostly Asian Americans, and that it's. It's amazing. Well, let's zero in on figure skating for a second because I feel like figure skating is one of the most difficult. Uh, yes, definitely. <laughs> um, but I feel like that's one of the winter sports that often gets the the racist label. E, yeah, I I have my. It's it's very again. It's like you were saying before. You have to invest a lot of money, right? You know, you have to train and dedicate. And I don't think all of the all the figure skate. I don't think they were well off. Like, I'm sure, no. you know, a lot of burned a hole through their pockets or their parents pockets. Um, right. I think that it's still it's still a privilege. You yes, know, but I I think more than that, I do think that the archetype of the typical ice dancer or figure skater is thought to be a white woman with blonde hair mm-hmm. and blue eyes, mm-hmm. sort of like Cinderella on ice. Yeah. That is the image that comes to mind right. when I think of figure skating and right. ice dancing. Yeah. So I'm sorry if I'm uh, sort of ma- mashing those two together. No, no, no. I'm not super clear on the big difference between the two. Mm-hmm. I just know I like them both and watch them both <laughs> with such excitement. But I, I do feel like that still seems to be a very white sport and when we mean white i think you mean european fair skin you know you have the european countries belgium european nordic as well nordic always represent obviously more colder countries of course but they are always the ones represented more you don't see many african countries you you don't see a lot of very i mean it's more i mean you'll get one or two from maybe you know spain and all you know in brazil here and there but it's not you know u.s had three ladies you know russia had three ladies japan had two or three korea had two you know it's like yeah i I, and i i don't know what i would i would want to see what the countries would want to be doing about that what fascinates me is a lot of the uh there were some girls who would have never had a chance to go to the olympics representing usa uh, if they didn't go as representing another country because of where their parents were born, oh, so that okay. I have I have thoughts on that. Like the Brazilian girl, there was a girl from I want to say Switzerland or Dutch. Don't quote me on that. There were two other girls that were actually three of three or four girls that were actually American, mm-hmm. but because their parents were born and because where they were born, but obviously grew up American and don't speak their country's their lang- the language anymore. You know, they didn't speak Portuguese or Dutch or any any sort of whatever the country they're representing. I, I just 
I don't know. I, I don't, I don't see that as cheating. And I see that as like, you have an opportunity to go to the Olympics to represent your country, which is awesome because you do have ties with that country. Mm-hmm. I just, I don't know if that's, and I guess that's like, you know, you want to go to the Olympics and you want to find a way in, you yeah. know, so you're kind of playing the game or well, you're, you're kind of whatever cards you have available in your deck. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And I just, I don't know. I don't know what my, my, I don't have, I have mixed feelings about that. I can completely understand where you're coming from. I'm just from sharing that. my that's thoughts. That's fine. I mean, I, I, I'm not... How did we end up here? I don't know. <laughs> but that's okay that we did. Because we're going to keep talking about a figure skating controversy. Oh, right. We're going to talk about a figure skating controversy. Let's go to that. With, uh, s- surrounding your girl, Mirai. Yes. From 2014. Yeah. So I say that figure skating is perhaps one of the last racist sports um, <laughs> in the Winter Olympics because I feel like the top, the people that always win the gold are almost always some version of white, be it Russian, be it Nordic, be it Caucasian. And uh, in 2014, Mirai Nagasi, we just spoke about her earlier, she was actually not chosen. Yeah, she got left team off the USA. team. She mm-hmm. was left off of Team USA and there was a lot of fallout. So Mirai became the first woman well, first things first, let's go back to one of her first. She became the first American woman uh, to land a triple axle at the Olympics. Right, which is... Which uh, is huge. Huge. If you just break down the triple axle scientifically, you are going against so much force and energy and landing on one foot and you're turning, you're turning forward first instead of back first, which already puts you in... And, and you have to do another whole half rotation. Mm-hmm. And when you land, you have about, like they said, like it's like 500, whatever measurement it was, landing on one foot. And all of that force is still in your body. Yeah. Um. So that in of itself is fucking amazing. Yeah. And some would say that she saved Team USA. Yes. She would say that she, she saved said Team it. USA, and I agree. <laughs> Like, I'm sorry. I didn't see anyone else from Team USA landing that triple axle. If it wasn't for her, they would not have been so many points ahead. It's true. Which, in a way, made sure that they snagged that spot. And I was reading some articles about how saying if she didn't even really land it, that they would still be 1.6 ahead. But, hey, I'd rather be six points ahead of Italy than 1.6. You know, the the bigger the number, the better. Why not? Right. And it's crazy to think that she landed a, a triple axle at the Olympics on a team where she was denied in 2014. Yeah. She was denied. I'm sure she felt so betrayed. I would only imagine. Yeah. So here's, here's what went down. So Mariah was passed over a spot on the team, on, the, on Team USA, obviously, and that spot was given to Ashley Wagner to figure skate for Team USA along Gracie Gold and Paulina Edmonds. I didn't even look those girls up because those names <laughs> just sound white. Um... Even though Wagner gave a dismal and embarrassing performance at the Nationals and placed lower than Mariah. So this was a sort of a weird Olympic selection. Yeah. And not in a when I say weird, I was definitely not weird in a good way, since only four times previous in history did the association pick a skater out of order for the Olympic team. So each time uh, a skater was chose. A skater was denied. It was generally because of injury. Mm. But in this particular situation, the only thing that was injured on Wagner was her ego. She wasn't physically injured, <laughs> <laughs> but yet she was still picked for the Olympic team over Mariah, who placed higher than her. Yeah, like she. I'm sure she thought she was a shoe in, you know. And then all of a sudden, they decided to go with. Wagner. I'm sure, but a lot of people cried racism because Team USA 2014 really fulfilled the the stereotypical mm-hmm, mm-hmm. archetype yeah. of what a figure skater looks like. Hey, you have all the three white ladies. Yeah, you know, exactly. And- uh, Jeff Yang, who writes over at Speakeasy Blog, he said Wagner's flowing blonde hair, blue bell shaped eyes, and structure features and structure features mark excuse me, features mark her as a sporting archetype. She's the embodiment of the, quote, golden girl in the media. So, I mean... And I still have certain thoughts about that, too. Like, during these Olympics, she had so many commercials... She did. ...out on the television running, and I thought, but you're not... You're an Olympic medalist. 
but why isn't why isn't Mariah why aren't all the other girls you know why what's up with that I find it odd that she's getting so many sponsorships and commercials even though she's not not in it anymore right. and I mean why not why not get someone who's currently representing the U.S. team to be in those commercials. But, I mean, you also saw the same thing with Christy Yamaguchi and Michelle Kwan, where they got some degree of celebrity from it. They got some campaigns out of it, but definitely not to the degree that Ashley Wagner got. And, like, what did Ashley, like, did Ashley Wagner even place well in the 2014 Olympics? I believe she might have gotten bronze. Okay. So yeah. she at least placed. I think so, we could look Yamaguchi that up. Yamaguchi and Kwan won gold. Yeah. And I don't even feel like they Yeah, were... no, Christy, I think Christy Yamaguchi won gold and Michelle Kwan won silver. Okay. Yeah. But even so, that's but higher even so, than yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and I don't feel like those two women got the recognition here in the States that yeah. Ashley Wagner did. I know. Which I think is why some people sort of question... The the scoring of figure skating, but yeah. also question the politics behind it. Yeah, right, right, right. The, oh, there's politics for sure. Well, definitely. And I, racism I behind deny, it. I wouldn't deny that fact at all. Yeah. I just feel like something needs to change within the figure skating community because it seems like their scoring system is sort of closed-minded and perhaps a little bit archaic. Yeah, in the sense where they... You mean the scoring system as far as scoring the routines or you mean as far as all of it oh all of it it. yeah i and i like i wonder who sets that tone or you know the um, who's on the board and who are these people (laughs) well i would imagine that selecting who gets to compete in the olympics is big business huge and i and i says i think they go they go very in detail of What's this athlete like? You know, what's their track record? Are they consistent? Are they a wild card? Are they, what's their attitude? Like, you know, I think it's all of, because you're picking, imagine if I if I was a country, right? right and I had to pick someone to represent me. Right. I would want to pick someone who can represent me the best in every way, shape, or form. And maybe for whatever reason, right. unconsciously, mm-hmm. they might think that Ashley or these white girls are that, A, maybe because of race and B, because of, who they are. See, I think that's what it is. Because I, I, I hear what you're saying. You know, yes. and I'm not saying that that's right. No, because I think when you are choosing an Olympic athlete, they are essentially de facto role models. Yes. Who are believed to embody the virtues of our nation. Right. And then on a personal level, you know. They the kind of have to be perfect. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> and the games also give them exposure and essentially a springboard to propel themselves forward yeah. once the Olympics are, are over. over. I think my issue, though, is that when you're in deciding to invest in someone like Ashley Wagner, who didn't necessarily perform great, certainly didn't perform better than Yamaguchi or Kwan, you're saying regardless of performance, regardless of winner or loser status, you should want to be like this girl. Uh You should want to be like this blonde haired, blue eyed, white chick. Right. Oh, you know what? Don't worry about Kwan and Yamaguchi because you know what? They're Asian. No one can relate to them. Right. And that's bullshit. Yeah. No, uh, absolutely. That's such bullshit. Yeah. And I feel like maybe perhaps that also needs to go through the, Their... the Olympic selection committee's mind. Yeah. That if you want yeah, yeah. viewership to increase mm-hmm, for mm-hmm. the Olympics, because mm-hmm. let's also get real viewership for the winter olympics and summer olympics have been in decline yeah perhaps the way to do that is to invest and select more diverse people who represent a wider array of americans as opposed to a very specific specific niche niche, uh specific niche market right that isn't necessarily encompassing who we are as a nation right now. Right, you know? exactly. Yeah. I can't identify with blonde-haired, blue-eyed, white chick. Right. But I can identify with an Asian woman. Right. I can identify with a Hispanic woman. Mm-hmm. I can identify, obviously, with other black people. Sure. So I think in, in selecting these Olympic athletes, athletes, that needs to be taken into account. Mm-hmm. I mean, if your rates are, if your viewership is declining, perhaps that's because you're not all-inclusive yeah. of, the a- of the athletes. I was going to say actors. Of the athletes. <laughs> And actors choosing to invest. In. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's sort of my issue with the Winter Olympics. Yeah, especially when it comes to figure skating. Mm-hmm. Yes, I I can totally, absolutely agree with you. Yeah, where 
somewhere there's still that sort of let's let's be this you know uh, let's let's pick these people because ultimately they represent us the best and whatever whatever that even means you know mm-hmm. how do you know you know mm-hmm. and do you have anyone fighting this do you have anyone giving you your two, their their two cents and letting you know that you know uh, if See, you... I think that those choices are safe choices. Yes, I think like someone at like Ashley Wagner is a safe. Oh, choice. sure. There's nothing, nothing that can go wrong with that. Nothing can go wrong with sure. blonde-haired, blue-eyed white yeah. girl. There's plenty of women out there yes. that identify. Yeah, but it's the corporations that stand behind diverse women, women of color, mm-hmm, differently mm-hmm, abled mm-hmm, people, mm-hmm. openly gay people, right? And really say, hey, look, these people can sell. Wheaties or this makeup line or this fragrance line or this clothing just as well as white women can. It's not just white women that are the buying population in the United States. We exist too. Yes, absolutely. I think, I don't, I wonder how far that goes in their minds, you know, if that is something they even consider, you know, like, you know, like got milk ads, you know, would they ever, I'm sure I, I like, I've always seen those skaters on the Scott milk ads. And I wonder, I'm sure, like, I think I know Michelle Kwan, Christian Mugudji have gotten, you know, sponsorships from them and things like that. But it's just, it's so, it's so fascinating to actually like pose these questions to them, you know? Yeah. Well, Jason Thompson, who is, uh, who sits on the Olympic committee's diversity, uh, Sorry, he sits on the Olympic Committee's uh, Diversity and Inclusion Board, Mm. said, quote, we're not quite sure where we want to be. I think full on inclusion has always been a priority of Team USA. I think everyone's always felt it should represent every American. But then my my rebuttal to that is if you're not sure where you should be, then you can't be sure where you're going. Like you have to get specific on where you want to be. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like we're not sure. I don't know. Do we want more diversity or not? Do we want more gay people or not? What's that even supposed to mean? I don't, I I wasn't quite sure when I read that quote myself, but I found myself sitting in my chair. Can you just read it again? Yeah. So he says, quote, we are not quite, we're not quite sure where we want to be. I think full-on inclusion has always been a priority of Team USA. I think everybody's allowed... I'm sorry. I think everybody's always felt it should represent every American. Yeah, well, duh. Well, right. But essentially what he's saying is we want to include every American. We just don't just know how. Sure and how. Huh. Okay. Right. <laughs> Question mark. Question mark. It should be fairly easy to know how... Or why, in a sense, I feel like. Well, I think the I think why is easy. I think how is harder. Yeah. Because the how would mean that you have to maybe spend more money or go work in different areas. Yeah. Pull in these people. Give incentives. Yeah, you know sure. things like, like that. You have to look beyond. I'm not sure where Thompson and his people recruit new talent. Yeah. But it seems like that pool needs to be widened. Sure. And if you think about statistically in, you know, the immigrants and the level of immigrants of Asians, Hispanics, you know, in the U.S., it's only going to rise. Yeah. So what? what is what is it that, you know, what, what is it, it's only going to keep rising. So if they want to include that they'd have to you know start now right yeah yeah and my fear is if you don't know make a fucking game plan exactly. sit down and brainstorm with the inclusion and diversity committee and make a goddamn game yeah plan. and don't say it's things really not like that, that hard no and please don't say on record i don't know where we want to be yeah like, that's just that is just embarrassing yeah, yeah it's embarrassing and it makes him look like a fool yeah uh, oh totally so where do we go from here? I think is the question. How do we <sighs> How do we as a as a community mm. ensure that the 2022 Olympic Games in Beijing are much another Asian more, another Asian another Asian country yeah. are much more diverse. And I think for me, first things first, it's about inclusion. You've got to show people of yeah. color in these sports that we normally have not been accepted into. Yeah. When I say accepted into, I mean like we haven't had the finances to participate. We right. haven't had the, the, uh, the, the training facilities exactly. near us, maybe the yeah. weather. The tools, us. the transportation, everything. Yeah. 
I think the recruiting needs to be way yeah. more specific. I, I think, think recruiting so needs to be broader. It does. I I also think it needs to just be they just it needs if they want to be all inclusive, they need to expand the horizon. They need to send people out to different areas of the country and say, Oh, hey, that little girl, she's five, or does she really want to do this? Let's invest in her. Let's see where it takes her. Let's talk to her. Or mm-hmm. Let's talk to her parents or whatever it may be. Or or if there is someone who really wants to do it, you know, have things accessible or think programs that they could apply to that would fund or, you know, so on. I mean, yeah. there's so many ways to kind of just get really creative. I don't know what their regulations are and how it like all works on the back end of this. So you know, don't take my word for it. I'm just kind of brainstorming here. But absolutely, I think I think if anything, this Olympics has shown that, you know, more women, uh, two openly gay uh, Olympians, you know, Asian Americans really setting their foot down on, you know, representation for figure skating. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the, the African-American uh, uh, athlete number growing as well. But I think there there needs to be more active... Uh, active uh, action done, yeah. you know, because I think it's a lot more serious than we think. It's just like, oh yeah, the Olympics are over, but yeah. really, right? Really, you know, how many people really connected with all cer- certain athletes? Mm-hmm. How what did the country, you know, represented? I mean, the Shibutani's took bronze. You know, they also took bronze in the team um, skating. Yeah. Um. Think. I mean, uh, Chloe Kim, who's seventeen. Oh, my new girl crush, you know? Chloe Kim. How did we not talk about? I her? know what happened. Sorry, I'm you know, sorry, Chloe. she killed it. She did kill it. She's an Asian Korean. You know, 17. sorry, she's an American Korean, Asian American. She's seventeen. You know, things like that. It's like they already see it. You know, they see how 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 it's so clear because yeah. they're winning. Totally. So invest in that. Mm-hmm. Let's figure out a way. Hire Asian, hire Asian Americans to be part of your Olympian uh, recruiting system board, yeah. whatever it Ooh. is, you know? So you're, so you're talking about more color behind the scenes. Yeah, because that's Clean the only that. way. You can't have that's white brilliant. people. They don't know how. They may not really want to, want to even do it. I don't know. What, what, they're like creepy, angry, stuck in their ways. <laughs> old people you know like our government let's not get into that um you know hire black people that are that are you know uh former coaches athletes that want to you know are in this career and um want to make change happen definitely i think that would help a lot mm-hmm. you know and it would be a trial and error but you've got four fucking years so start now yeah, four, four years is a long time it's, it's a long time it is and then you think about all the people right now who are currently in, yeah schooling cycle sorry um you know who are who are the rising stars right now take a look at them you know mm-hmm. see what they have to offer talk to them just Right. But I think also within our own communities, like I'm perhaps the black community, the Hispanic community, I live in a heavily Mexican neighborhood in East L.A. and pre- preparing for the show. There are a couple of Mexican owned businesses I support and I made it a point to ask them, them being either the people that work there or yeah. just people that are dining there. If I was at a restaurant, hey, have you, are you guys watching the Winter Olympics? Almost all of them said no. Mm-hmm. And when I said why, the question became the 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 statement was because no one looks like me. And then the, the follow-up question is, so why should I even tune in? Yeah. And so I think that we also in minority communities, we have to look to our children and expose them yes. and yes. inspire them to want to get involved in these sports. Yeah. Whether yeah. That's huge too. representation. Mm-hmm. I think it's never too early to look at a kid and say, yeah you can be the first right you can be let's try it let's, let's see it. what it's like do you like it if not on to the next one on to the next one absolutely because that's huge that comes expanded horizons yeah and with that comes meeting different people from different walks mm-hmm. of life that could make that kid's quality of life richer or the people sure. that he or she interacts with richer yeah. So I think that it's a two-way street. Yes, I think the Olympic Committee needs to diversify on their end, mm-hmm. but I think that we should also inspire as individuals, our young kids, individuals. Yeah. Like, look, I, you can be the Serena. Right. And I Venus love that of Ugh. fucking ice dance. Like, yeah. you can be that. Right. I fucking love that. The fact that you just said, like, you can be the first. Yeah. You know, and if you're not the first, then you pave the way for the first. Right. And that's huge. Because I wonder who Chloe Kim had to look up to. Yeah. Like, who did she look? I right. Would be I mean, we should interested in that. that. Yeah. And how did she? What, Sean White? I mean, yeah. and I'm not like, I'm not shading Sean White and his fine self. I'm saying, like, as a young Asian girl, 
with with not a ton of young Asian snowboarders that looked like her. I'm right. sure that she could only look up to the yeah. men. I think she was the only one on the snowboarding all-women's team. I think she was, too. Yeah. It's ironic. She kind of has blonde hair, but... She does. But, uh, she does. She it's a nice ombre. Yeah. But, sure. uh, but yeah. It but was, yeah. yeah I think we should turn inwards and inspire our kids to be the first. That seems that's to be... real badass. That seems to be, like, a reoccurring theme that you and I, when we and kind of are, like, towards the end, we always mention the fact it just about really diving in and going inwards first because you mm. cannot change anything or anyone without changing yourself first nope. or yeah. or evolving yourself first or improving yourself first it starts with you as the individual the mind the body the soul yeah. and with that you can accomplish great things with other people along the way period boom <laughs> stay woke mic drop like mic drop <laughs> Well, thank you so much for tuning in, guys. Thanks, guys. This episode of Black and Yellow was produced by Christian Humes at the Zeitheist Network. Yes. If you guys want to get in contact with us, if you want to give us your feedback, questions, thoughts, thoughts, comments, feel free to send us an email at podcastblackandyellow at gmail.com. Or you can find us on Instagram. Black and Yellow Podcast. Black and Yellow Podcast. If you want to reach out to us individually, I'm Alana Webster. I'm Jacqueline Chung-Young. At Renegade of Fun. Oh, yes, you are. (laughs) <laughs> and you are. And I I always forget you have your fashion as your Instagram handle and not your name. Yeah, so thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, and on to the next one. On to the next. <laughs> Tune in next week. We've got a good one uh, up in the queue for you. Can't wait to talk to you guys next week. Bye-bye. Bye.